when we want to look at polarity in relationships, we're looking at the the attraction, the opposites attract. When we say opposites attract, it's the opposite energies that attract, the masculine and the feminine energy. Now, men are both more of a balance of the masculine and feminine energy because you have the XY chromosome. But because feminine energy has been looked down as weakness so much in our society for so long, both men and women repress their feminine energy. A lot of young men, whenever they graduate high school, they'll quickly go into joining the military or doing some sports and they're just being hyper-masculine because they don't want to be teased for being a sissy or being weak or whatever or not being their emotions and they really repress that feminine energy. Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone who is alcohol-free as fuck living a self-led life. And I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now, how you all doing out there in podcast land, folks? Hope you're doing well. I just wanted to share with you, uh, before we get to today's guest, a little moment that I had with one of my one-to-one clients recently that I think is um, could be a really valuable lesson for you. I'm just going to give you the the overview of, of, of what happened and it'll give you a little insight into A, how I work as a coach, I guess, um, and and B, you know, the the real importance of getting getting below the thing, right? So what I mean by getting below the thing is there are a lot of people in the world, and a lot of you listening to the podcast, that are that are, are curious about why they can't seem to stop drinking alcohol, right? You might not have even identified yourself as having a problem or not, right? But that question is there. Like, sober curious, I guess, is, is the word that, that people use that is on vogue. But, you know, maybe the fact that you've alcohol has contributed to some slips and some trips and some black eyes and broken noses. Maybe alcohol has contributed some infidelity. And now you've got this continual guilt in your relationship. Maybe alcohol is the reason why uh, you're always fighting uh, with your partner or maybe alcohol use on their side is terrifying you when they they come home right and and you know this is happening but you just can't can't even contemplate stopping because we all know that from the moment that we were born there is this invisible, violent, and dominant belief system, which I call the liquid lie, that we're all indoctrinated into, that tells us that drinking alcohol is normal, natural, necessary, it's nice, and it's noble. And because we believe that, it's really difficult to imagine a world without it, okay? So there's a lot of people like that in the world who don't understand that there is this liquid lie, but they do know that they feel that actually alcohol is necessary in their lives and they cannot see a world without it. And they may be looking for resources and thinking, well, how do I stop drinking alcohol? And, um, and thinking questions like that. And that's why you're here. Maybe it's like, okay, this guy stopped drinking alcohol. Maybe you can tell me how to stop drinking alcohol. And, And whilst it's really important to understand and identify and raise your self-awareness around why you're drinking and, and stopping it, right? I mean, what I mean is why it's really important to stop drinking uh, while that's really important. What is even more important is understanding why you were drinking in the first place, uh, what it was that you, what what was you numbing with, what was you turning a blind eye to, 
how unconscious were you in your life because of alcohol? And then looking at that stuff and then fixing it to be more conscious, right? And that deeper work in your wounding, that deeper work in the shadows, that deeper work of trauma in a child is absolutely critical because if you stop drinking alcohol and you haven't done any of that work, then all of those issues and problems, they're still going to be there. And the parts of you that want to drink alcohol to keep everybody safe in your internal family system, they're just going to find another outlet. So, so it's really important, like places like Strive, where we go that deeper, and our goal is to live a self-led life, alcohol-free as fuck. It's really important that you don't just stop at these places where they're like, yeah, we're going to help you stop drinking alcohol. Woohoo! Stop drinking alcohol 30 days, nailed life. No, you haven't nailed life because there are reasons why you drunk alcohol and you need to face those reasons. Otherwise, you're never going to be a better parent. You're never going to be a better father. You're never going to be a better wife. You're never going to be a better friend, never going to be a better boss, or you will be, but there's a limit. There's a ceiling there and you won't be able to get above that ceiling because you haven't done the work, right? So a demonstration of that, I have a client, amazing, amazing uh, young man. He's been working with me for a long, long time. And recently, he, he, had, he hadn't had a drink for like over 150 days, right? Really, really going well. And he was at a gig when one of his friends passed him a, a horrible swilly beer. You know what that beer is like at, at gigs? And he, he passed him this, uh, this, bit, this beer and he took a sip of it. He took a sip of it thought that's disgusting and that was that we had a call talked about it you know i was a bit upset that the 150 day streak had, had um had, had been had gone um but he you know he was okay i just had a sip uh, a week later or a couple of days later he's at an event and uh he has a couple of beers this time right a couple of days after that he gets smashed like i'm talking he hadn't been this drunk for a long long time okay after 150 days of not just not having a drink, not even considering it, right? What's going on, you know? And what our work has discovered, and we're continuing to do this work to go even deeper, what our work has discovered is there's a part of him that really, really holds very high, almost close to perfectionist standards, right? So there's this part of his personality that is driving him to succeed. Right, which is very rigid, uh, filled the calendar up with do, 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 and doesn't allow enough time for him to just be. All right. So this, this part is like going for it, right? It's like a general going for it all the time. There's another part of him that when the general is going at full pelt, the other part starts to get really anxious because it cannot keep up. There's another part of him that cannot keep up with the high perfectionist standards of the general. So this other part of him, when he gets really, really super stressed out, he's shouting internally now. He's saying, whoa, slow down. But the general won't hear him because the general's looking at him thinking, we ain't fucking slowing down on my watch, right? So what does this part do? This part at the festival has a little drink, but still the general doesn't pay attention. So the next week, it has a few more beers. Still the general doesn't pay attention. Then it gets drunk. The worst is done for one or two years. Now we've got the general's attention because all of a sudden we can't operate. We have a hangover. We dip way below the line into victim consciousness. We are 
lost all of our energy. We start to go into this really mopey, I can't get out of this pit, right? We're, we're way, way below the line. So all of a sudden, the general can't push you because you've got an angle. We're in a state of apathy, right? So this is how it works in your internal family systems, right? Where you have competing parts, some that don't want to drink and some that do want to drink. And if you're not aware of that and you're not doing the work to recognize and grow self-awareness around these parts and to help these parts feel seen, heard, and that they matter is relapse could be on the cards, right? This is what I'm talking about, about doing the deeper work. So me and my client now, we can now go into his internal family system and we can have a conversation with this perfectionist part to find out why it is doing that, what it is worried about if it took its foot off the gas, um, and lots of other questions to really help that part feel seen, loved, and mattered. And then we could also speak to the part that had a drink to try to slow everything down to, to find out what that part is all about and why that part exists and how what that part's job is and how we can communicate. So this is, to me, is what self-love is, is all about. It's about understanding and raising self-awareness of the different parts of your personality and really talking to them and nurturing them. And that's what reparenting is, I guess, right? So I wanted to give you that example that at Strive, the work we're doing, or certainly what I'm aiming with the quest and the Strive method, it is to go a lot deeper than just quitting alcohol, right? A lot quicker. When you come to me and you're like, Lee, I want, Lee, I want, to, stop, I want to stop quitting alcohol, Quitting alcohol is only just scratching the surface. I want you to leave my uh, virtual office really keen to take on the world, not just to sell with the fact that, yeah, I don't drink alcohol anymore, okay? So if you're at that stage of the video game of life where you just want to quit alcohol, there's lots of places that can help you do that. If you want to get up to the levels in your video game where you really are slaying the biggest end bosses and getting lots and lots of value out of this game of life and come to strive okay come to strive and now is a good time to do that because if you go to www.thestrivemethod.com we are giving away a free crusher alcohol cravings cheat code uh, training uh, get there quick because we're going to replace it with something else soon and if you pop your email in there, you'll get access to the uh, the course. But we'll also put you in a draw to win a uh, annual Stripe subscription for one year. Okay, so that will give you access to our group calls, our group coaching calls on Zoom, and to our community at Discord and our quest based uh, Stripe method, which will help you uh, live a self led life, alcohol free as fuck. Okay, that's a donation from a poker player. So thank you for him uh, to do that. 15th of July is your end point. Okay, on to today's guest, Dominique Davina. She's been on the show before. Her mission is to help you live life fully from a place of magic, love, and abundance. As a registered nurse and a certified transformational tantra coach, she is a healer. But labels aside, she saves and transforms lives. She believes that by blending science and spirituality, we can better understand our bodies, respect ourselves, and deepen our connections with our partners. And that's why she uses an holistic approach in coaching to focus on harnessing the power of your body to master self-love. Ultimately, this self-love leads us to experience the pure bliss of soulful, connected love. Basically, she's a coach who teaches you how to get off the best while getting the most out of life. And I asked her to come on the show because 
I've been working with a lot of clients recently who all had the same issue and the same question, the same point, and that is sex uh, is a really high on my value uh, hierarchy and it's really low on my wife's. I want lots of sex. My wife doesn't want any and I just cannot see a way out of this. I'm trying to do everything she's telling me to do uh, in order for me to get my sex. I ain't getting it. I'm losing hope. I resent her so much. I just want out of this relationship. It's a very, very common theme. And this is why I asked Dominic on the show. So if you want to know the answer to that question, I'll shut the hell up and let you find it by listening to this wonderful episode with the amazing Dominique DeVita. Thank you very much for listening and strive on. Dominique, how are you doing? This is your second appearance on the pod. Where are you coming from today? Um, this time I'm in Austin. I may have been in California the first time I was on the pod with you. Yes, you was. Yeah. And you took that life-changing decision to move to Austin. What do you what do you think of that? Like are you enjoying the life out there? I do enjoy it. It's really hot though. It gets up to like 108 degrees in the summer. So it's, you know, the climate is much nicer in California, but I'm from Texas and Austin is kind of like the California of Texas. And there's such a great community of people and people that you know here as well. So it makes yeah. it nice to be here for sure. Oh, it was a, it was a great choice. So jump straight into it for people who are listening. The reason I asked uh, Dominic to come on the show is um, recently a couple of my one-to-one coaching clients, males, uh, I've been helping them to step back from the precipice of divorce. And the reason that they're teetering there is they've built up a lot of resentment against their partners. All of them are in heterosexual relationships. They built up resentment against their partners because they cite sex as a core value for them. And they have a story that their partner is withholding it. And that is causing resentment. And um, and they just don't see a way out. Like they, they just think that, uh, okay, we need to end this and find somebody who's more sexually compatible. So I thought I'd get you on and ask you, what, what are some of the most more common challenges that you see in your work when this kind of thing happens when one person wants a lot of sex, the other person either doesn't want any or wants very little. This is such a common theme and such a big challenge, especially when people have been in marriages and relationships for a long time. And I've studied some of the work of Esther Perel. She has a really great book called Mating in Captivity because the dynamics change when you're with someone every day. And there's different layers to that that we'll explore as we go through this conversation. But it is very common. And then there it becomes almost like this battle of the sexes. And we're not understanding each other. And then resentments are building on both sides. Then the woman can feel too pressured to have sex. Or it can feel like, you know, for me, what an experience that I've had is sometimes when I've lived with people and we had a relationship where we've been living together, it can go into a pattern of the man almost is like, well, I get to go to bed with her at night and I can just roll her over and nudge her and have sex without doing the things that you would do when you were dating to kind of set the mood for it, to have a date night, you know, and it starts to, the woman starts to feel taken for granted or that their needs don't matter. And so then they start to not be as interested in sex. And it's not that they don't have an interest in sex. It's sometimes it's just that approach. And there's a miscommunication of what each one of them are desiring and women for so long have been programmed to be the good girl, 
to be wifey material, all of these things and pressures on them to where they don't even feel comfortable to say what the challenges are, right? Or to speak about what they would want or their needs are. And then no one wants to talk about it. So you just push it away. You just push away having sex. You just cut it all off because you don't even know how to speak into what is it I truly desire? Maybe if we did it like this, and it can be such a challenging conversation and heavily charged because there's so much resentment and tension and in sexual tension and not a comfortable way that's happening. And so I think men, I work with both men and women. And when I guide my male clients, I guide them on ways where they can even approach this with their partner because women need safety. They need different things to get into their arousal states and for men to be able to be aware of this and also for men to resource themselves. Because if you're coming at anything, whether it's relationships and sex, whether it's something you're wanting to manifest in life, law of attraction, if we're coming to something and we're wanting something, but we're coming from a space of lack and we're scarcity, we have this very needy energy that's very repelling and we're pushing away the very thing that we desire. When we can feel fully resourced and like, okay, I, I am enough. I have this, I've got this, or just feeling and we already have this thing then we have this more this increased magnetism and we draw these things to us. So whenever I work with my male clients, if for a while they're having a sexless marriage, I take them into this really high level of self-mastery where they learn to separate the orgasm from their ejaculation. So they could be multi-orgasmic stamina for hours. If you've heard of Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, sexual transmutation, using that energy towards their passion, towards their goals and having making their self-pleasure, not something really fast that they're doing to adult videos. It's lowering their vibration, but something where it's a self-pleasure ritual for them and they're loving on themselves. So when we resource ourselves and then we want to share something with a partner, we're not coming from this needy energy, but when it comes like such a lack, it almost feels like for the female, like this little boy energy. And it's not to be disrespectful to men, but it's like, gimme, 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 gimme. You know, you're just starving for it. Well, yeah, you really do want that. But if you like, sometimes it's like, if the woman is like, they have children, they have other responsibilities. Now men, women work outside of the home as well. And a lot of the work within the house is not really shared proportionately. Men would be surprised how much women can hold emotional bandwidth and other things that they're not having to do. Even though men do a lot, I'm not knocking men at all. But we're often unaware of this, you know, the inequality that's happening with the division of like, household responsibilities and things with children. So the woman can be so exhausted, right? So the last thing they want to do is like, look out for your needs. Because if you're the woman also, it's all about self-love and self-care for both. Because also if the woman is putting her needs on the back burner, and so many moms do this, trying to be the best mom, you know, trying to keep up with this other person and have the illusion that everything is perfect. And they're being really hypervigilant with their children and they put their needs. They don't do their self-care. Whenever they spend money, it's only for the children. They're not caring for themselves. If they will not even give themselves a moment to recharge and rest or to go have fun for themselves and recharge themselves, they're denying themselves the pleasures of life. They're just being so responsible, being this, being this, being a good employee or whatever, having a business, being the best mom, blah, blah, blah. The list can go on. And so then if you're at that space and you're not even giving yourself permission to fill your own cup up and resource yourself, the last thing you have is bandwidth for someone else saying, me, 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 because we're already telling ourselves no so much. It's like, oh my gosh, like I can't even 
give myself a bubble bath or have a moment to myself, like just stop. So we, if we both resource ourselves, like I'll say self-love is like, imagine a teacup and that you're going to fill that cup up. And from the overflow of the cup that goes onto the saucer, that's what you give to other people. But so many of us are operating in life from an empty teacup and we're getting burned out and we're exhausted. So then when we do give to a partner, we're giving from a place of resentment because we have scarcity. We are not really resourced to even be in a giving space. So we're just giving from leftover fumes and then the resentment builds on both parts. So that's why it's so good for men to learn how to even love on themselves, satisfy their own bodies and not always turn to the woman to be, hey, I need to plug into you to get my need my needs met. And how can I do things to support you so that maybe we can take some of the tasks you do off during the day and even plan things because the brain is the largest sex organ. So if a woman, for me, anticipating sex is a big turn on. That's why I really love date nights. So anticipation that gives the buildup because it takes women longer on the arousal scale to be ready for sex. So just because a man's ready and they kind of jump at us, then that can be us like pulling back and retreating because the approach is off. Because women, we need safety. We need to relax, to surrender, to open. And if everyone's jumping at us all day long, we don't have the bandwidth to really be in our own pleasure in our bodies, to be open to our partners. Well, there's long, so much. Yes. There is so what there is so much in there. What what the main core thing that jumps out of me is the story often is I want to have sex. My wife doesn't want to have sex. She has to change something so we can have sex. Otherwise, this relationship's not going to end. What I'm hearing from you is if you're a guy in a relationship that has this issue, you need to look at yourself first and you need to be asking yourself, am I in scarcity? What am what needs am I what needs to not be met and am I resourcing them myself? How how do you go how do you go about doing that? I mean, I imagine that concept is very alien to a lot of people. Yeah, because we're so disconnected from our true emotions and our needs, right? Mm. So one thing to do is to notice, because I've done this too with partners. We all can do this. And women will do this to the man as well. So for example, for me, just to say, if I am upset with my partner because I don't feel like they're taking date nights for me or making special time for me, and I'm starting to build resentment, because you're not making time for me. You're not doing this for me. I have I stop and I pause and I say, where in my life am I also not doing this for myself? Because it's going to show up there. And what happens is our inner child, because a lot of this has to do inner child healing. So we're both having tantrums about not having our needs met as our inner child, right? And that's showing up in like resentment. And I just need to get out of here and I'm out, you know, you know, having a tantrum over it. And we want our favorite toy. We want to have the sex. Hello, why are you not letting me have my favorite toy? So what what's happening is I need to look and say, where am I not doing this for myself? And how can I start to do this for myself? Because if we're not willing to do it for ourselves, our partner's not going to be excited about doing it for us because they see we don't even do it for ourselves. For example, I had a client that she had this condition called vaginismus where her vaginal vaginal canal would just constrict and close up and she couldn't be penetrated with sex. So she had to use these really slim little medical toys to try to start to dilate and do these kind of pleasure rituals. And she was not having fun doing them, but she really wanted her partner to do them. And she was mad at her partner for not being willing to help them through this, right? And I asked my client, I said, where are you not doing this for yourself? Because if you're not enjoying doing it for yourself, 
your partner's picking up on that and your partner doesn't want to be the one left like with all the responsibility. You know, mm-hmm. like, why do you just expect me to do it? So a lot of times we can expect someone else to show up and give us our love, our attention, our care, our validation and get our needs met. But we're not willing to do that for ourselves. So then we put our anger and our frustration, our inner child, even onto them because we're not, sometimes not willing to look at ourselves. And as an inner child, if our parents constantly denied our needs and did not meet our needs or give us the attention or the affection that we craved and we desired. Our inner child is literally sitting here when we're not taking care of our own needs and is upset with us and like, okay, I get it. When we were kids, we didn't have a choice, but now you still continue to put other people's needs before your own. You still won't take that time and go play with me or go have fun or have an adventure. What are you doing here? And then that resentment builds up. And we think that we can put all of that frustration onto our partner. It's their fault that this is not happening. And a great tool for your clients to try with their partners, there's a card deck and I have it, but I can't grab it right now, but it's called Fair Play. And there's a documentary called Fair Play and a book on it, but there's a quick documentary and our coaches, Alexi Panos and Preston Smiles, they did this. And you know, Preston really steps up in the household to be present with their young children. He even said they did this deck of cards and they played the game to see who does which things in the house and you play through these cards And Alexi ended up with a whole big stack of cards that Preston didn't realize that Alexi was handling and his stack was so much smaller. So then if you don't understand what your partner is really doing during the day or behind the scenes, what they're making happen, being the CEO of the household or making sure things are okay with the, the children, sometimes even if you can do things to like take some of their cards for them or outsource, like have Instacart deliver the groceries, have someone come in and do housekeeping. Some, what are some of those tasks where that then your partner feels resource? Let them go to a spa day, have them fill their cup up, and then they're going to appreciate you. And, you know, you're going to get that back in return. But if we're just like, gimme, 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 and you're not giving me this to me and I'm mad, then it creates more resentment. And women want to feel like, oh, we don't want to just be touched when you want sex. Don't just be nice to us when you want to have sex. We're not just something that you put these coins in and be nice and finally give us attention when you want sex. And then it doesn't happen. You're like mad or upset again. Because sometimes men will do that. They're not really paying attention. They're watching the news or watching their sports or doing their thing. They're out with their friends or their guy friends or whatever. And then they don't give us the time or attention or really hang out with us or give that quality time. And they think quality time is just when they want to insert their dick inside of us. And it's just like, no, like you romance me. Take, I'm not just here to just be turned on. Just at, you're at the drop of a hat when you're ready. A woman takes longer their arousal cycle. It takes longer for us. Men are like microwave ovens. You can get turned on really fast and then boop, pop. It can be done. For women, it's like we need to be preheated. It's a, a savory dish. It might take an hour to cook and to be done. So this is another thing. And this is not to shame men. Men have been dumbed down by watching adult videos and you don't realize what you're available to do in your bodies. Men actually have the ability to have stamina for hours and be multi-orgasmic. I teach my male clients how to do this. And when you do this and you master this level of skill, women will desire you and be wanting more sex from the men. Women actually have higher sex drives and they'll be wanting men. Men will be like, oh my gosh, I have a headache. Is that all you want me for? Because the sex will be different and you can actually be present and be dropped in because women are very intuitive and we can sense when a man is 
just masturbating inside of our bodies or going into a fantasy that they've seen on a video and they're they're there with us but they're not fully there and dropped in with us right so what happens then is for women if that's why we have the orgasm gap and in heterosexual relationships there's a big disparity on the amount of times that i think it's like 25% of times i can't number the numbers off but there's a big gap of like maybe 25% of the time a woman will orgasm, but 95% of the time a man will orgasm when you have sex. So for women, if they're not able to, the man's not allowed, um, able to last long enough. So imagine a woman, it takes maybe 20 minutes or so to get to peak arousal. A lot of men on average is the average time is like five to 10 minutes. So he's already done before she even is getting started. And what's funny to me when I think about this is I remember when I was younger and a teenager, there was a lot of talk about don't give a guy blue balls. Like, oh, these women that are teases are giving guys blue balls, X, Y, Z, kind of shaming women. But honestly, men are giving women blue ovaries. So you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> what's really happening is we're the ones getting teased a lot of times. A lot of times it's like, oh, there's this foreplay and oh, we're going to do this. And then they're done, especially when you're married and you're not having protected sex sometimes, then you they've ejaculated, you have cleanup on aisle eight. So sometimes it's like takes us longer to shower, to prepare, and then everything, then even the act lasts. And then we're just barely starting to get turned on and then they're done. So it's just like, okay, why do I want to do this? Hmm. Why am I just going to get myself excited just for them to be done and they roll over and fall asleep? Okay. Like I don't, that's, this is not really doing it for me. I know I could kind of do without it because I'm having to do more work I'm putting more into preparing for the act than the act even takes. So if we could match up so women could have that pleasure and have orgasms more often, and not even just always focusing on the orgasm, just having prolonged pleasure and having that intimacy and that connection and feel like you're really present, like you could change that dynamic to where the woman is craving you. I know, I know my clients quite well, and they'll be listening to this thinking, I'm nowhere near that. Like, like there's it's almost like um, using the analogy of uh, money. It's like when uh, a money teacher teaches you how to invest, but you're 100K in debt. Like I could imagine my clients being like, "This, I'm not even thinking about how I can get better in bed because I'm not even getting in bed. And one of the things I hear him say a lot, and I've said this so, the same in my, my life in all my relationships, is, and I know this is very subjective, but answer it as best you can, is this thing where the guy he'll get some advice or he'll listen to this podcast or do some coaching with me or you or whatever and they start to change some stuff and then they're like but nothing is changing so the woman's giving me feedback and saying if you did xyz then things would change then you do xyz and it's like nothing's changing is this just a simple case of that it takes a long time to repair repair these ruptures and that the guys are just not understanding how long it's going to take to rebuild that trust and safety. Is that what's going on? Yes. And I really love that you share that. So you got to think it took, you know, the challenges that you're having didn't happen overnight. So you're not going to fix this overnight. You know, this just didn't suddenly happen. This has been a long, like you said, over a longer period of time, or if there was an infidelity or something, there can be such a lack of safety. So One thing I want to share with men is I've got some really good tips in here, but also even if you haven't learned how to have prolonged sex and have that mastery, even just doing things where you make sure the woman orgasms first and give oral sex, even if 
you're okay with them using a sex toy with you so that they can do it, you know, be doing a doggy style and they could be using the sex toy on their clit or whatever. So maybe they need that extra stimulation and don't feel like you're in competition with that toy because you're not, you're in collaboration. And Mm -hmm. if they can be having more pleasure and you're having more pleasure together, then just that's a win-win and that's going to have her more interested. But what's really fascinating to me is I had a client that he was in his 60s you know, in the top CEO executive of Fortune 500 company and had always worked, worked, worked a lot. Would travel across, you know, would travel from America to London, get off the flight, speak in front of thousands of people, just go, 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 go. I started coaching him to help him with his health because I'm also a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for 30 years. So I started helping him with regulating his nervous system for his health. Because he had gone into having atrial fibrillation, which is a heart condition where your your ventricles and stuff start fibrillating and you go at a really rapid rate. You can go 150 to 200 beats a minute and it can cause blood clots and be life-threatening. So he was in a, a period of having AFib. And so you want to regulate his nervous system. Now he's in his 60s. He already had learned how to have non-ejaculatory orgasms. He already had mastered that. So he wasn't coming to me for coaching for sex. He was coming for nervous system regulation. So he had a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. He was burned out. And so I started guiding him on things to relax his nervous system and calming that down. Then he had this, you know, when we want to look at polarity and relationships, we're looking at the, the attraction, the opposites attract. When we say opposites attract, it's the opposite energies that attract, the masculine and the feminine energy. Now, men are both, more of a balance of the masculine and feminine energy because you have the XY chromosome. But because feminine energy has been looked down as weakness so much in our society for so long, both men and women repress their feminine energy. A lot of young men, whenever they graduate high school, they'll quickly go into joining the military or doing some sports and they're just being hyper-masculine because they don't want to be teased for being a sissy or being weak or whatever or not being their emotions. And they really repress that feminine energy. Now, some men, though, have seen such a toxic, unhealthy masculine energy from the patriarchal society that they really don't like that. So this client, he was really resisting that. But before I go into that part, I'm going to talk about the polarity. I want you to imagine a battery and it has on one end a positive charge and one end a negative charge. And not to say that these energies, either one is positive or negative, but one of those ends is going to be masculine energy. The other end is going to be the feminine energy. And you need that to have the spark for the energy, for the passion in the relationship. What happens when we cohabitate with someone for so long, we start to sit at the same energetic level. We start to both rest in our feminine or both rest in our masculine, especially women who I help that are like top CEO executives or attorneys to be taken seriously in the workforce, uh, to be treated fairly, to not be sexually harassed in the workforce. They're very guarded in their masculine. So then they come home, they know how to rest into the feminine. So they're both in their masculine and they're both not turned on by each other. That spark is not there. So you want to be in the opposite energies to create that attraction. And even when you're having lovemaking or intimacy, you can, and it doesn't matter if it's the same sex or opposite sex relationship, you need to have be in opposite energies. And you can even have a dance with that during a lovemaking session and and change it up. And one of you be leading the other one leading and one being when you really get into the flow of the energy, right? But for him... He had seen such an unhealthy modeling of masculine. He's just like, I hate going to gyms and being in the gym or, you know, at the golf club or whatever and listening to the guys talk and how they would talk so disrespectful and things. He's like, I can't even be around that. 
he had seen such unhealthy male stuff that he was leaning more in his feminine energy. And one of the things he shared with me is like, he goes, I'm so tired of my wife nagging me. I'm so tired of my wife nagging me. And I said, you know what? She's tired of nagging you too. Mm. But why the women do this is we're testing you. Even subconsciously, we don't realize it. We're testing you for safety. Women require safety. And if you want the woman to be out of her masculine, she has to know that you're able to lead. Trust me, we're tired. We're just as exhausted of this game as you are. We want to surrender and relax. And for the women to be in their most sensual selves, to be the most orgasmic, it takes us being relaxed, being able to surrender, receive, and be more in our feminine. But if we're always going out in the world and handling everything like a man and we're doing everything and we're planning everything and all this stuff and coordinating everything, it is too much and we get burned out and we don't have the time to tap into that. So I said, if you would just take the leading a healthy in your healthy masculine, she'll start to relax and she won't be nagging you as much because she'll trust that you've got it. And that's so this- going to change the dynamic. If you're tired of losing the battle to alcohol cravings day in and day out, then you need to learn the alcohol paradigm hack. This hack turned me from a two decade long drinker to someone with virtually zero desire to drink. And the best part, it took a matter of days, not months. And you can put this hack into action today. If you want to learn the secret, head over to the description code below to watch my brand new 100% free course the Crush Your Alcohol Cravings Cheat Code. And if you're quick and sign up before July 15, we will stick you in a raffle to win a one-year Strive membership. And that's valued at $1,200. So it's $1,200 of value that could change your life just for registering and watching this free course, okay? So get over there, be seen, be heard, matter, strive on. We love you. See you later. Back on with the pod. This sounds like being really aware of what is going on in your partner's life. So from the man's perspective, being really aware of what's going on in a woman's life. What is, like you said, with the card game, what is she doing? How is she feeling? Because just, just on what is she doing? Imagine they played the card game, like you said, Alexis, uh, Alexi and Preston did. Um, let's say one of my clients did that and his wife had this huge stack of cards. Then you could look at those cards and you could see how many of them actually are him um, abdicating his masculine responsibilities and her feeling unsafe and stepping into the masculine to do those activities. He could actually take them on, um, which would allow her some or time. Or outsource them. Or outsource them. Yeah, yeah, right on some of the things. Yeah. So they can both but, feel good. So... Here's a critical question, though. So I, I really, I really love, and I've seen in my own life how me being in the masculine, holding the masculine polarity, um, seeing my wife feel safety in that, and then slipping into a feminine, and that being great in terms of intimacy and connection. For the clients listening to this, though, do they just have to hope that the more healthy masculine that they portray, do they just have to hope? Or did they have to commune with their partner to say to their partner, hey, why, you know, have a discussion around masculine and feminine energies? Because they might not even be aware that there are so many different ways that they could actually do things to get into their feminine. I, I imagine that conversation is really important. It's not just like, 
I'm just going to go down this road and change myself in this instance. It seems like a conversation would make a lot of sense, right? It does. And I'll share real quick about another couple that I worked with. I actually just worked with the wife and the husband didn't know we were working together. And she was also a coach and very much in her masculine. And they had like a little daughter that was three at the time. And he had been very physically fit and very active in years before the daughter was born. He started like sleeping a lot. He gained weight. He wasn't going to the gym. He just seemed very depressed. He wasn't as interested in sex. And so when I would talk to the wife, she was doing a lot of things. And like she would pack the daughter's lunch, for example. And she wouldn't let her husband pack lunch because the lunch needed to be a certain way. And I said, you know, is, do you think your husband's going to food poison your daughter? I mean, what's the worst thing could happen? I mean, if they got like, if they don't have an a, you know an allergy to peanuts and they're packing peanuts, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the, if there's not a food allergy, like what is the worst thing that could happen with the lunch? Your husband isn't feeling that you trust him and he was wanting to step up. And I feel like the reason he's staying in bed so much and not being so active, he's depressed because you're not giving him space to lead. I said, why don't you... So when I work with just one person, you can start to change the dynamics of the relationship without even having to talk about it. Just shifting your energy, the other energy is going to shift because relationships are just a mirror and they're going to reflect back to us what's happening within us. Not to say one person has to be fully responsible for changing the relationship, but when we just start to change things within ourselves, we show up in relationship and we're relating to our partner in a different way. And so when she started shifting this, He started getting more excited. He started planning surprise dates for her and the daughter. And he started doing all these really romantic, sweet things for them. And then at the end of our coaching, she says, oh my gosh, he came and jumped in the shower before work and ravished me. And he hasn't done that in the longest time. And I even talked to her. I said, you know, I feel like if you don't think you want to have another child, maybe talk to him about having a vasectomy or something because he's really comfortable and happy with how things are flowing. But I think his bandwidth, I don't know that he could handle like the responsibility of another child. I think it would set him back too much. It would be overwhelming. Said so maybe talk about a vasectomy or something if that if you don't mind that so you don't have a surprise, because I think that might again make him go back to feeling depressed and like this is just too much for me to be able to do. Mm-hmm. But when she started changing that energy within herself and shifting more into the feminine with my guidance. That allowed him to start showing up and he he completely shifted. It was really awesome to see that. And he had no idea that she was working with me. You know, I'm also a Tantra coach. So he had said to her once, Have you ever thought about us doing Tantra? And he started, it was just so interesting. Just as her energy and her interest was changing, he was picking up on it. Even just his intuition, his energy was picking up on it, even without it being spoken, because she was really private about our coaching together. So I know he didn't know. But I thought it was really cute. Now back to this other man with the AFib. This is so interesting. When I started guiding him on regulating his nervous system and calming his anxiety down, his wife started to be more attracted to him. I said, how long has it been since your sex life has been this good with your wife? He says, it's been decades. She started having interest. She didn't even know he was coaching with me. She thought I was a breathwork coach. And so... You know, all of a sudden she was like interested. Like even during one of our sessions once, he was like, wow, my wife like wants me to give us an early morning session. My wife is calling me to come back to the bed. <laughs> he was like, wow, okay, I'm going to message you later. And so it's really interesting. And so we started unpacking this. He said, I had no idea that my anxiety and my stress was repelling and pushing my wife away. He was so overwhelmed and such a bundle of stress. That's not an energy for a woman to feel safe in. 
So for women, for us to be in our most orgasmic, even if a woman has had trauma and things in the past, we can unknowingly be very hypervigilant, even subconsciously and always scanning for safety. If we're scanning for safety, orgasms are not able to happen in our bodies. We have to feel fully safe and really safe with our partner and fully trust them, know that they're not going to tease us over something or make fun of us for our desires or you know, make us uncomfortable, self-conscious about our bodies. There could be so many things that women are worrying about. And so if the man can just, they just feel safe with their lover, they're not going to be, you know, that later they're not going to say, oh, I want to try this thing. And then later the lover's going to be like, well, that was kind of wild that you wanted to do that. And then they're, they're critiquing them or being judgy or questioning them. Right. So those things can have women just being so conservative and so uptight around sex because they won't even let the wild woman out because they don't want to be judged for it. What about in that context of the anxiety and the stress? What about what advice would you give to people who are very, very open to say they're in a relationship and they just very open? So the wife will be like, how are you doing? And he'll just blurt out like how overwhelmed and stressed and anxious he is. Is there is there a play here where that might not be at its most advantageous that he finds somebody else to have those conversations with? What do you think? I think it's it's really great to be able to communicate to your partner when you're having stressors and not pretend everything's okay if you're going through something. But also if you have a therapist, if you have a coach, if you have someone else where you can have support through the big challenging things, or if there's a big issue at work, you can just like throw that all onto them, right? And process it and work through it and not have to like dump a lot of your stressors to your partner. Just that way you're watching the bandwidth energetically what you're doing. Don't treat your wife like she's a therapist. Your therapist, right. Like she's your partner. She's your partner. But also even for them, if you have things like if you have a therapist, you have a coach, you have things so you're resourced and then you're not just putting all of, you know, then you're able to fill your cup up and you're feeling good and you have a different mindset on things and you're having a different outlook and you're having some other tools. Someone else is guiding on where your blind spots are. And then you're able to go in and create like a new dynamic. Because you're you're approaching it from a different way. I want to share a personal story with you. Let me know if if you've seen this somewhere before. So I've always had the worldview, the story, if you will, that I am hypersexual, that sex is really important to me, that I love it so, so much. Like that's my story, that's my worldview. As I've got more conscious and more grounded and got more intimate with my beautiful wife on a deeper level, I started to question my worldview. And I realized that I don't need sex as often as I thought I did. And lots of times I was trying to initiate sex, not because I felt horny and felt sexual energy, but because it was more habitualized say it's your wedding anniversary night or it's father's day or mother's day or valentine's day or just something simple like you've got the house free all of a sudden because the kids have gone out and and i realized that and this actually came out i'm doing a 90 day no coffee no sugar and i've been really attuned to the fact that actually i don't crave substances i habitually consume them from unconscious space. And if I can just consume them consciously, 
then I'd be cool. Like there's no craving or anything. And I realized the same thing was happening with sex. And it took a lot of pressure off because I was able to say to myself, okay, I'm only going to initiate sex if I feel like I really, really, really want sex. And then that takes a lot of pressure off my partner who, you know, just a lot of times just wants to have fun, just wants a hug, just wants to connect, just have a laugh, have a giggle. And then that in turn then leads to an uptake and an increase in sexual energy on, on her side of things. Have you seen that before where people have just got this worldview of sex wrong? Yes. And they, you're going about the quality. I mean, the quantity versus the quality or even just you need validation. You just want attention, but you know, other ways to get attention or have those needs met. So then you're just like looking. Yes. Like, so, okay. That, yeah. So that leads on. So you can merge this with the other question I had was, do men get confused and think that they want sex and sex is an important value when actually it's masking a deeper value that they don't understand that they need. And if they had that filled, they wouldn't want more sex or wouldn't need yeah. more sex. The, and then, that's what I was sharing earlier too. So I love that that landed like that for you. It's not having the neediness for it. It's tapping mm. into your desire for it. Mm. But if you're not getting your needs met, because you, again, your cup is empty and you're not resourcing it. So you keep putting your cup out to your partner. Fill it up, fill it up, fill up my cup. Me, 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 where? Oh my gosh, you're not filling up my cup. Now I'm mad at you. But like, where are you not filling up your damn cup? Where are you not loving on yourself? What is your self-love game like? Where do you not give yourself a lot of pleasure? Can you play with your pleasure and give yourself an amazing self, like a self-pleasure ritual that's self-loving where you're really feeling all of the amazing sensations in your body and you're honoring your body, right? And you're experiencing pleasure for a prolonged time. Resource yourself. And then whenever you have this, actually men are, when you're frequently ejaculating, you're draining a lot of your life force energy. Taoist beliefs are very similar to tantric in the in the energetic principles about your sexual energy. It's your chi, your life force energy. So when men are frequently ejaculating, you're draining the life force. That's why they believe on average, the Taoist beliefs is the reason on average that lifespans of women are longer than males is because males continue to drain their life force energy through frequent ejaculation. And when you're doing that, you're constantly draining and ejaculating so frequently it's changing your life force energy and it's draining you. You're feeling more depleted, you're, you know, and that can be felt. So whenever I even have my clients do something where they're not ejaculating as often in their, they're single, but they're used to maybe they have an, a, an addiction to adult videos and I support men in overcoming this, but they'll be like, okay, we're doing semen retention. And I don't believe in like the no fat because pleasure is medicine. Pleasure. It's really important for us to pleasure ourselves. We don't want to just shut off from even enjoying our body. So if anyone deserves to enjoy your body, it's you, it's your body, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever they've noticed that even if for a couple of weeks, if they don't ejaculate, all of a sudden women are drawn to them. They're like, women are like approaching me. Your energy is different. I used to have a friend that he would never masturbate or anything. And he was single for a long time. And whenever we would go have breakfast or lunch together, he the way he would talk to the waitresses and be with people, he was so, his energy he was a sweet guy, but he was so desperate for it. I was like, dude, you have got to masturbate. Like <laughs> you, I, and he was like, I don't believe in that shit. And I was like, dude, you can totally feel like you're just holding way too much. And you're, you're like so much desperately because you won't do it for yourself. So you're like so needy for 
Like, is this the person? You know, is that that little children's story, like the little duck that's lost? Like, are you my mother? Are you my mother? It's like, are you the one that I'm going to get to do this with? Are you? The, and I was like, dude, you're such a desperation energy. It's so repelling to the feminine because we're very intuitive and we can tune into that. Mm-hmm. But when you have a good relationship with your sexual energy, you're like, like, do I even want to let you have some of this, lady? Because I have got, you know, I got the magic stick here. I got the good juice. I'm just not going to just drain my lower force energy for just nothing. Like, do I want to share this with you? It changes the dynamic. The woman's like, wait a second. It's like the man almost turns into a woman in the way that there I've only of all the lovers I've been with, I've only had two men in the, that have had this ability that I've had this experience with, uh, with like tantric and conscious sex in that way. And they both get treated like women. Like usually they're the ones telling women, no, they don't, women will come and give them their number Women are pursuing them and they're just like, eh, they don't even know because they know they want a quality of a woman. They're not just, they don't need their ego to be met. They're just not going to just do or share their energy with just anyone because they understand how powerful they are. And they're, and they're not going to have just weaken their life force just for a hookup, hmm. but their energy is so different and it's so desirable, but we're leaking our sexual energy a lot. And we're just, then we're just like, oh, how can I, you know? How can I eject this out of my body right away? Oh, you don't want to do that for me? Now I'm sexually frustrated. Now I'm mad at you. Well, not like resource yourself. Mm. So when you're resourced in the, the other thing is like women, a lot of times it's like, when can someone just have intimacy or cuddling without sex being the thing? Because we can tell, oh, you're really nice to me. You're being romantic. It's just because you want sex. Like it doesn't feel like you really care about us. Like on days that you're not interested in sex and you're not really horny, you're just like, eh, whatever. And maybe not helping us as much and maybe not even engaging and you're off in your own world and you might even go home to bed when we do and you're staying up on the computer. So it doesn't really feel like you care about us. It feels like you just care about when you get to get off. And then that can create resentment in the woman. And then that's going to continue to escalate. And like no one is the elephant in the room and no one is talking about. Now on the flip side of this, I have had a client that he hadn't had sex with his wife in about 15 years, maybe almost 20. It's like they got married and they have a great friendship, but she had had some sexual traumas and she's never gone to therapy for them. But they're an older generation. And so it was expected of her to be married. And he's such a sweet man that he was like safe for her to marry, reproduce and have a child with. And after the child was born, that was it. No more. And so he was really, you know, waited and waited. And I said, you know, this is really not fair to you. So I taught him how to have amazing solo pleasure sessions. He's like, I didn't know I could feel this in my body. Now I feel my orgasm from the top of my head down to my big toe. Right. And it opened up his world. He was like, I had no idea this was possible. But I also guided him on conversations that he could have with his wife, like just for images and society. Are you wanting to look like you're always married? Because if you're never going to go and do your work and get your therapy and you're just really good friends and roommates and love each other like family, maybe you should open up the relationship. Maybe when he's out of town, he gets to do what he wants to do because it's really sad for a man to just completely not have sex. Like that's an unrealistic expectation. Yeah, just- what's, what, I was going to ask you that. What, what do you do when you get to that point where you're brave enough as the man to say, okay, you know, I'm, sex is a really important need in our relationship I, i'm not it's not fulfilling me but i don't want to dismantle the relationship i do want to but i do want to have sexual experiences and they're like yeah but that's not for me um at, at what point would you say that 
at what point do you know that this is not working? I, you know, for me, I always say to my clients, uh, I don't know what your opinion is, do you, you know when you're working with a client, whether or not they're resourcing themselves, whether they're grounded, whether they know to self-regulate, whether they're at their best and most conscious. And if they are, then they can make a decision. But until they get there, there's still so much work they can do that could pump some life into this relationship, right? Yeah, because you're going to need to do the work anyway before you move to another relationship or you're going to continue the Bang same on. pattern. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So why don't you figure it out while you're here and show up in the best way you can show up? And then you know, hey, I've been doing the work. I've been showing up. I've been making an honest effort. And I know, and yeah, I've been trying. And you know, what are they willing to do? Are they willing to go to therapy? Have they had some past traumas or something that are coming up for them? that they need some support with, right? And are they willing to get the support? And if they're not willing, if that partner's just not willing to change after you've done everything, then maybe it's like we've kind of outgrown each other. And what is the next phase for us? When you're in a relationship with a woman who's gone through sexual trauma and you're desperate to have sex, what advice would you give to the guy in that respect? Yeah, create a lot of safety. So this is another thing too. This is really great. Being able to regulate your nervous system is the biggest thing. And I know that you know this too. Hmm. And we're in relationship with our partner's nervous systems. We think that we're in relationship with, oh, we like how they look sexy like this. I love their eyes. They have a nice ass. I love, I am a leg man. I love how smart they are. All these other things. I love the chemistry we have together or we have similar hobbies. You're in relationship with that person's nervous system. And you don't realize that your nervous system is being felt by one another. And so if your nervous system is dysregulated, your nervous system will be throwing off your partner's nervous system and vice versa. So Mm. if you know how to regulate your own nervous system and you can learn to co-regulate together with your nervous systems when there's challenges, that's such a game changer. And that's even something that I know um, you can guide your clients on, like regulating the nervous system. That's what helped my client the most. And he got over his AFib. And I helped him with like balancing his microbiome and some other things. But nervous system is key. So this is what I want to share with you. Especially when a woman has had some type of trauma or sexual trauma. A lot of times what men will do is they'll come in and they think it's really funny. And they'll playfully like grab your ass or, you know, pop you on the butt or something like that. Well, what happens is a lot of times women, we're in our own little world And you're triggering our startle reflex, especially if we have a big startle reflex from having childhood trauma. So you're putting us in like a flight or fight response because you're constantly like coming at us, coming at us. And I also want you to think like if I'm going on a date with someone, I'm on on that's the first few dates and we haven't had sex. If that person, I might be really attracted and maybe interested, but if they're very handsy and they're just coming at me, all of a sudden that puts me in defense mode. I can't even allow things to flow because all of a sudden I have to like, I'm on guard. And then that changes the whole dynamic. Nothing can happen because now I'm in defense mode. You don't want to put your partner in defense mode. You want them to receive you, not to be defending against you. So even the little things you're doing during the day, don't just keep like ass slapping and doing these things. And then they're like, oh, like then you can tell they don't like it. And you just think it's funny. You brush it off. You're really putting their guard up to you even more. And you're really getting their nervous system. You're getting it activated in not a healthy way. They need more safety. They need you to take more time with them. They need to feel like you're really present with them and that you're tuned into their needs. And you create that safety for them. They're going to open up to you in amazing ways. Mm. And this, for people listening, this isn't just about sexy time. 
So, for example, when I work with my clients who are in relationship with women that they think have low libido or they don't have sex with them, it's it's almost always a safety issue. And it will be something like, I don't know, the, your, your just energy where you come in from work, how you speak to the kids, how you speak to her, the way you respond when she requests to do. All these things are either going to increase her safety of you or make her feel more unsafe. And if you're like, if you don't know as well, the other thing is if you don't understand their traumas, let's say you're in a relationship with somebody and she has a lot of trauma associated around the way her father used to yell and stomp around the house and treat people like shit, especially treat her mom like shit. And you don't know that. You could be playing out exactly the same role as her father and triggering her into fight or flight without you even knowing what's going on because you're unaware of what is really like crucial and important to them, right? I love that you brought that up. So it's how you act all the time. Like foreplay begins as soon as the sex ends. Mm, yeah, That's I like when that. foreplay begins. And I had an ex that I was in a very toxic relationship with my youngest daughter's father. Super toxic. Had to leave, get a restraining order, the whole thing. And I, if I would have not been in that relationship very long if I would have not had my child with him. But I endured a lot. But we would still have sex because we're monogamous. You know, I wasn't, you know, I would have been if I would have been with anyone else. So, <laughs> you know, I still have my needs. So I would literally, if I wasn't having sex for a while, I would be like, you know what? I'm having really sexual dreams. We have to have sex tonight. Cause like, but I really, as a person, I did not like him because he treated me very bad. I would tell him, you know, we, I have love for you because we have family together and we've had holidays together and memories, but you're like that mean brother that bullies me and mistreats me all the time, you know? It was not good. So mm-hmm. sometimes whenever in the evening, I would be getting the kids ready for bed, giving them their baths, doing the laundry, packing their stuff. And he would just be on the couch watching wrestling, having a beer and yelling at me the things that I should be doing. Hey, did you do this? Did you pack their lunch? Did you do that? Did you do this? And then sometimes he would curse at me. And then when he would come crawl into bed, he would try to bust some moves. And one night, I was just so fed up. And I said, you know what? All the things that you did and you called me a bitch earlier, X, Y, Z, that was foreplay. Your foreplay sucked. We're not doing anything. But that you have to pay attention to how you are acting and engaging yeah. with your partner. Yeah. Because women, we're not machines that you just put nice coins into when you want to. And mm. then the sex is just going to pop out for you. Now, another thing too, to be really aware of, and I was talking to my daughters that are now adults, because this year on Halloween, I'll be 55 years young. So one of the things is a lot of times this has happened to me in past relationships. And I was speaking about this. I've been in relationships with people and then we're having a fight or an argument and the guy will drive really crazy and reckless and almost like threaten my life. I actually, my same ex was like, I'm going to run the car and I was not wanting to be with him anymore. He's like, you give me no choice. I'm going to run the car into a pole. Like crazy stuff. I had to deal with that dude. So never dated anyone like him since. Thank goodness. Like over 20 years ago, I've been done with that. But because I had those fears of like being in the cars and my daughters have been with men too, that when they were in an argument, the guys would drive very reckless and scare and terrify them. So when we're in a car with our man, it's so important that you drive safe and you're not doing some dumb dude shit when you're driving. And I've had guys that I've been in the car that I've dated and they will tailgate the other person too much and not give enough space. 
And I'm like, like constantly doing my fake break on one side, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like so irritated with me, but I'm like, dude, it's not cool. You don't have to scare me. And now my youngest daughter is dating a guy. He's gone with them places. He is the best driver I've ever been with. I feel so safe. I can completely relax. I'm like, you are just like, I've got to commend you. You're the best driver I've ever been with. This is awesome, uh, right? And so I'm this relaxing. Is this is me. <laughs> are you Liza. a good driver? No, Liza. You drive, you Liza. drive wild, like fast and fast? I, I, I wouldn't say I drive wild, but but I know that Liza feels unsafe in the car because yes. I drive faster than her, but I've never, I've never put the pieces together and realized that, that that's foreplay. Do you know what right, I mean? Because like, like, she, like, imagine what you're doing to their nervous system. They're like all tense. Yeah. I right? never and so then later, there. how's that going to be? You've already got their nervous system activated. Dom, I'm going to have lots of sex tonight after I drive. Yes, really? you are. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to drive like a little old lady. <laughs> I am. Yeah. That's how I'm going to get my sex by being a little lady. Can I, I ask you one, one more question? Yes, I think really this important. Has been fun. Um, what, um, what advice would you give to women? who've just simply lost their libido. It's not a question of, I don't want to have sex with this guy. They love the guy. They find him sexually attractive, but they just don't have, they're just not aroused anymore. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to those, uh, those ladies? That's such a great question. One is if you're bandwidth, if you're too exhausted and you're so tired, you're just not going to have the energy for it. That's why even scheduling it. We can think that it's not romantic to schedule it, but planning your calendar and making a time and committing to it so that you know that you're rested. If you always know that you're tired late at night, maybe try something earlier in the day or midday on some days hmm. when that's possible so that you have more energy, right? Know what time of the day feels good for you and honor that. The other thing too, is that with all of the changes in our foods and pollution, the environment, more and more women are having premenopausal symptoms early on, even as early as their 30s. So go and have your hormone levels checked. See if your testosterone level is really low. You can mm -hmm. do things like bioidentical hormone replacement, things like that to get your hormone levels because sometimes it's just the hormones that are impacting the drive. It also can be the type of birth control pills and things like that that you're on can impact it as well. So just to know those things. And birth control pills are really wreak a lot of havoc on women's bodies. I wish I had never used them in the past. I didn't mm -hmm. understand at the time, even being a nurse, I didn't understand at the time how the long-term effect that that can have on women's bodies and women's health. So if men, if you don't feel like you're going to have any more children with your wife, it's so much easier for a man to get a vasectomy than a tube, than a woman to get a tubal. And it's easier to reverse if you ever want to in the future. And then you just don't, if you're your partner's not having to put all those hormones in their bodies, they're going to be healthier with you over long term. And it's going to impact, you know, could probably help your sex drive as well, their mm -hmm. sex drive as well, and just getting their hormones checked. So those are the things and just doing whatever you can do to like, what were they passionate about before you met? What, what hobbies? Are they not having hobbies anymore? Are they not having things that are lighting them up? Because again, if they're always thinking, I have to be such a good wife, I have to be the best mom, but they're not being the best person to themselves that's going to impact things a lot because they're denying themselves the simple pleasures of life that they really enjoyed. And when they deny themselves of that, they're going to resent giving someone else that they're like, I don't even, I'm not even taking care of me right now. I'm just not putting out fires around. I'm way on the back burner. 
Mm-hmm. And so just inviting them to be like, hey, do you want to go with the girlfriends or do you want to go do this or what would be fun for you? And do something and plan something that's just for them without doing some things for them without the agenda being that I am going to get more sex tonight. And when they see like, oh, wow, he really cares about my needs and he's really caring about me. And it's not just linked to him getting sex in return right away. Then that's going to make them feel so much more open and receptive to you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Dom, for people listening, how can they, what are you doing these days work-wise? How can people get hold of you and work with you? Um, yes. Thanks for asking. My website is yestauntra.com and my YouTube is yestauntra. I share a lot of great information there. I do one-to-one coaching and I'm off offering a group coaching program for men that's coming up soon because the men, you have so much power within you. I had my biggest healing and transformation from a man that had the ability to guide me through prolonged states of ecstatic pleasure and bliss. It's like the sexual healing that Marvin Gaye would sing about. So Mm. really women, we really need the men more than we realize, but we need it in this conscious loving way that's not what you see on porn. Porn is really dumbing you down. I know that we think because it's a porn star, it's a, though they're a celebrity, they're getting paid to do it. I should, that's the peak pinnacle thing. I should do it like that. That's really not what women will want. And remind me real quick, I'll show one quick tip on that. So I really love supporting men because I'm also supporting men and women when I work with men. And so, and I have a free masterclass coming up. I'm not sure when this will air, but I love supporting men. Because I'm a man, I had a, a life-changing awakening that changed my whole life path that helped heal a lot of my trauma. I'm forever grateful. So I'm super passionate. Um, my eyes are cheering up. I'm super uh-huh. passionate about supporting men. That's so beautiful. the challenges are, it's been the battle of the sexes. And if we could just be like, what are the challenges men have? Like I say, you know, men always have to be the protector, always the provider, disconnect from their emotions. They've been taught that. And the patriarchy hasn't just been hard on women. It's been hard on men. So if we can understand, hey, brothers or the men out there, what are your challenges? How can we help support you through that? And what are the challenges women are facing? How we can we come together instead of it being this battling mm. against one another? How about we, we unite and we just try to understand what are our traumas? What is the old society and the old ways of doing things? How is it negatively impacting us? And how can we create something different from this space? So one quick tip I want to show everyone here is I want you, if you're not driving, uh, to get your hands and rub them back and forth together really fast. Can you do this for me, Lee? Now slow down. Go really, really slow. Notice how much more sensation you can feel when you slow mm. down. Yeah. So for our brain is the largest sex organ. So women, when men are doing those moves or the jackhammer moving, you're really exerting yourself. You're doing a lot. You're exerting yourself, putting a lot of work in. The woman, our brain can't even process that much and it starts to just feel numbed out. But sometimes when you do a variation and slow down for a bit and go really slow, Mm -hmm. they're going to feel so much more sensation and so much more pleasure. So just slowing things down is is so important. And again, the longer a man can meditate, since the brain is the largest sex organ, the longer a man can be in a meditative state. And this helps support your nervous system too the longer you can last in bed. The longer a woman can be in meditative state, the easier it is for her to orgasm. Because if she's always thinking the monkey mind is distracting us from our pleasure and we're like the long laundry list of things we didn't do and the 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 mess over there in the corner and the argument I had with someone earlier today and the things, to, the field trip for the kids tomorrow, then we're, we live so much from the neck up. And what I love about Tantra, it helps you with your five senses to drop into your body to feel more pleasure and sensation. So we need to stop just being robots and being up here. We need to connect to our 
one another. We need to regulate our nervous systems. We need to connect to our heart and our emotions and just start having more connection and intimacy and see how. Yes. Well, people listening, go seek out Dominic and uh, join her courses, work with her one-on-one. This is this, the, the whole area of sex is just such an overlooked area, especially in terms of play and adventure and uh, all that kind of stuff as well. So go check it out. And um, yeah, you have lots of uh, non-ejaculatory experiences <laughs> and so forth and big, long orgasms and multiple orgasms. Dominic, thank you very much for joining. I really appreciate you. Thanks very much for coming on today. Yes, thanks for welcoming me here. This was a beautiful conversation. And thanks everyone for taking the time to listen to this and give this some thought. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a few thank yous. First of all, I want to thank uh, you guys and girls for listening to this podcast and being supporters of it. Many people stop drinking alcohol just by listening to this podcast. I got a lot of people reaching out to me, thanking me for that, right? So give this to somebody as a gift today or rate and review the podcast. If you can rate and review the podcast on your local podcast player and tell somebody about it, you could change somebody's life today, okay? So thank you for listening and thank you in advice in advance for that piece of service. Also want to thank our producer, Stan. Um, Stan is still currently in the Ukraine fighting the war and producing our podcast while his family is somewhere else in the world right now, okay, apart from him. So everybody send out your prayers and your love. Stan, we love you. Thank you very much for everything you do here. For you out there, if you are starting to think about, contemplate, Uh, reflect on your relationship with alcohol. You do not have to do this alone. Yes, you drink alone, but you don't have to stop alone, okay? And if alcohol is not your thing, but you are starting to feel that you actually are living a parts-led life, the ego is getting in the way too much, so you're not happy with the way life is going, then reach out to us at thestrivemethod at gmail.com. Just say, Lee, and just tell me what is on your mind, and we'll start to have that conversation. Strive Community is a beautiful place where you can start to feel seen, heard, and matter. It's where you can get community, and it's where you can start practicing what we call the eight C's of self, our core values, right? Of creativity, curiosity, uh, connection, compassion, courage. Uh, I can't remember the rest of them, but there's eight of them, right? And we have our quest structure. So we have assignments, and they're really interesting, exciting. At the end of them, we say to you, come on. Do this quest, right? Get involved in this challenge. Um, And strivers are really finding it exciting. And they're working their challenges in these areas that are going to increase the amount of time they spend in self-energy in a state of flow. And that has amazing repercussions for the relationship you grow with yourself and for how you how you reach out to others in their life, like how you parent, how you um, are as a child to your, not child, but a son or a daughter, how you are in your relationship with the person you share your bed with and how you behave with your employees, right? So reach out to me at strivemethod at gmail.com if you want to learn more. Okay, much love, everybody.